Hey y'all, this is Culture Soup, where tech, culture, and business collide. It's a podcast that spoons up everything hot from social media. I'm your host, L. Michelle Smith, and each episode, we bring you some of the most notable and not yet notable thought leaders in tech, business, and culture. The year was 2003. I was on a panel at the African American Museum in Dallas, and it was about women who were running businesses, whether it was as an entrepreneur or at the top of a company. Alongside of me on that panel was a woman named Dr. Yolanda Bruce Brooks. Dr. Brooks, I would learn, was one of the top psychologists, clinical psychologists, working with the NFL at that point. She even had contracts with the Dallas Cowboys. Eventually, Dr. Brooks and I would become friends. We learned that we had friends in common, including Cheryl Atkins Green. You'll remember her as the CMO of Mary Kay. We have been friends over the years, and she has remained in touch with me. But I have to tell you, this is one of the smartest women I know. What's special about Dr. Brooks? She works behind the scenes. You'll never see her on television talking about this in any of her work that she does with sports figures and sports teams. She also has a specialty in military and veterans. Yeah, she understands what life transitions can be all about. And she helps people in sports and also in the military in the many various life transitions that they face. I want you to meet Dr. Brooks. She has an incredible story, and I really admire this woman's work. Everybody, I am so excited to have sports and clinical psychologists and my friend, Dr. Yolanda Brooks, on the line with us today. Hi, Dr. Brooks. Hello there, Michelle. How are you? I'm good. How about you? I'm doing great. Thank you so much for having me join you on this podcast. Well, I wouldn't have it any other way. It's hard not to become connected to you. You have that present personality that draws people in. Well, you're so sweet for saying that. I remember my parents being in the audience and they were so blown away by your intelligence and smarts and just wisdom. I was too. I mean, but afterwards they were like, who is that lady? She's awesome. <laughs> then I found out you were friends with our mutual friend, uh, Cheryl Atkins Green over at Mary Kay. Oh, yes, absolutely. She's a real sweetheart. But, you know, good people tend to travel in the same network. I'm just glad to be Thank invited you. to the party. <laughs> you and me both.
Well, listen, you know, it's not called the culture soup for no reason at all. And I wanted to bring you on because you sit at the apex of culture when it comes to sports. And uh, what a lot of people may not know is you've done some work with the, um, the leagues, right? Yes, I have. The, mostly the National Football League and the National Basketball Association and um, working with teams and players and coaches. So I've worked pretty much with people at every, every level. Right. And everybody, you know, in the month of March, we had Women's History Month and I'd lined up an array of ladies. And at the end of the month, I had a hidden figures um, in sports episode. And you know what? Dr. Brooks would have fit very well in there because she has been working in sports how many years? Oh, it's over 25. But who's counting, right? Yes, yes. And you know, by the nature of what you do, you're going to be hidden, right? You're, you're that person that's working behind the scenes to make sure that everyone's well. Well, you know, it's kind of um, a mixed blessing fact that I'm a licensed clinician because I don't do any clinical work in my role in professional sports, but my knowledge is um, of an asset because now that gets people paying attention. I started out in just helping players and their families transition into the sport uh, because most of the players and their family members don't get groomed into what it's like to a professional level. So that's how I got my start um, on one level and the other level it was profiling draft candidates for the coaches and general manager. That facet of my work was the dinosaur age of uh, analytics. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> now we know that they're so sophisticated with their albums and the warboards and the draft rooms. What I did was just a very primitive precursor to that, but that was my first introduction to the the player selection aspect. And then the other part kind of evolved to the point where I do the mental conditioning uh, for performance mm -hmm. enhancement. But the main thread that permeates through all of this is transitioning. Yeah, so you're working with athletes who have come out of this culture where they started maybe in Little League and made it up through high school and junior high school sports and then they're into college and you know I even wrote something in my master's thesis about sports culture and how athletes are um, enculturated if that's a word in a way that's very different from the rest of the students even at school and then on top of that they go into the NFL which is a totally different beast so they need someone like you right? Well, bottom line with that, Michelle, and what's happened is through the years, I mean, back when I started in the mid-90s in this area, it wasn't then like it was now, but the pipeline insulates and isolates the athletes. Now, as we've mm -hmm. learned, athletes at a younger and younger age are entering this pipeline where they're specializing in particular sports. Now they're compromising certain developmental aspects of their beings, such as the physical aspect and the mental aspects, and socially. And other facets of life, in a very general sense, is becoming so highly specialized, now they're not evolving into complete 
fully functioning human beings that can function yeah. in several facets of society. So you, you really were on point. Right. Well, one of the things that I noticed, you know, there weren't that many uh, black students at TCU at the time. So we're probably at 3%. And most of that 3% was on the football team. So yeah. when we were having black student caucus, when we were having gospel choir rehearsal, many of those guys wanted to participate but couldn't because they were on a totally different right. schedule. They were usually practicing when we were doing these other social things. And then, you know, they even ate in a different area. Like they had a place called the training table. They had special diets. They had special chefs. They had everything. But they were separated from the rest of the college students. And I wondered then how that would impact those athletes when they went out into life. And then we had a couple that went right into the draft and went to the NFL. I remember one guy, he was um, so excited that he went and spent whatever money he had immediately on a car. And it was a very fancy car. And he was barely 21. And you wondered, like, who's guiding them? Well, you know, at that time, there was a lot of that going on. And unfortunately, many people um, set up lifestyles, especially, for example, using football where their salaries aren't guaranteed. And just because they get drafted, there's no guarantee they make the right. team. It's only an invitation to go try out for a team. And uh, a lot mm -hmm. of people didn't understand because different merchandisers and other people knew that they would likely uh, go from zero to 100 in terms of their income. They would leverage that and allow them to get cars and jewelry, clothes, and other things just on that promise that they will re be reimbursed once they make the team. But if they don't make the team, then they are horribly in debt. Now, that yeah. doesn't happen as much in this day and age. It tends to happen on the back end when the player leaves the game. If they haven't been prudent with their monies or the people they've hired, they haven't been right. monitoring that. They created lifestyles that cost a certain income, but they don't have the skills or the education or training to sustain or to acquire other jobs. Totally. I mentioned the Hidden Figures episode at the end of March. At some point, if you can go back and listen, we had the COO of college football uh, playoff, Andrea Williams, and we had a woman who was kind of in uh, med tech gear for um, athletes called Power Hands, Danielle Cersei Jones, and the youngest and I think only black female NFL agent, Nicole yes, Lynn. This player was actually drafted first round yes. another first congratulations yes. to all of those women but especially kudos to her because that was a first and there's several firsts that a lot of people don't know and people don't know the work that i did way back when they know another woman right who uh they did a show about called uh necessary roughness and many people thought that was about me mm -hmm. it was not but um <laughs> you know Oh, I like being behind the scenes because that allows me more ability to interface with the players and their family members. And um, with, the right. coach, with the team in, uh, that I started out with, which is 
in the Cowboys, and that is known now that I'm not there. I was with them for over seven years. Um, you know, Jerry, who is a mastermind marketer, when he hired me, he put me right in the locker room, which was unheard of, and uh, the players were really, really great. They, 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 uh, they, they put me through the gauntlet, so to speak. But um, my point is this: yeah. that uh, I was opened up to the entire organization, the coaches' families, the other staff. Um, I was kind of an educator on how to deal with high-stress, high-profile uh, environments to help people manage mm -hmm. that, be supportive um, when. You know, things happened that were negative, even things that were positive, but the intrusiveness of the media as the Internet and social media began to emerge and uh, explode, it became harder and harder things private. So looking at some mm -hmm. of the articles and news about that, but the media was very, very helpful for me. They actually taught me what the media was about, what they do, and... And a lot of the beat writers, uh, you know, please don't put me in the news or the papers unless <laughs> it's something educational. I was right. always willing to be educational. Um, one player, uh, I mean, one beat writer uh, decided to test that and put me in the paper. And it was oh, so no. funny when I got, got to the office that day, the locker room got really quiet. And they mm. said, Doc, have you seen the clips which were for the daily printout of what Gilded mm -hmm. had said about the team or players. And I, uh, I said, no, I haven't. Why? And so one of them showed it to me, and I just took off to go after that guy. They were so yeah. funny. <laughs> wow. Well, you know, so much of what you do is um, so sensitive. It's so well, sensitive. You know, and it's, it is. It, mm -hmm. The players talk for themselves now. They don't need anybody to publish what they need to say because they speak for themselves now. And that wasn't right. happening at that time. So mm -hmm. uh, they've been empowered. And sometimes that's a great thing. Other times you have to be careful about that. So you've done a little bit of a pivot, but you've had some of this in your past before. And it's, it's dear to me, too, because in my last role, I worked at a Fortune 10 um, as a voice of diversity and inclusion um, in corporate communications. And one of the segments that we concentrated on was military and veterans. So you've been working a bit with, with veterans and military? Yes, I have. Um, I started about 10 years ago, and um, if I could just share a quick little story. Mm -hmm. My father um, was in our town, and I grew up working for him. So the thought was that I would become a lawyer, which was the track I was on. But I, I recognized if I could win an argument extending my curfew, I didn't think I was going to break the courtroom. So um, I decided to take a different path when I got to college. Now, I come from a family of uh, lawyers um, and, and legal people and, and uh, law enforcement, so I'm very familiar with that culture. Um, my father took ill, and we knew his um, time was coming soon, um, so I asked him what was his greatest accomplishment, and I thought he was going to say uh, one of his lost cases that he had um, done, but what he said was serving in the military. That mm -hmm. blew me away 
because I didn't know he'd been in the military, and he served before he met and married my mother. So I asked him about that, and he had served in the Korean War, and uh, he was in about four years or just under four years. He'd been an attorney over 30-something years. So mm -hmm. I said, how can you think about something such a short period of time, but yet all the things you've accomplished in your life, that was it. And mm -hmm. it was quality over quantity. And it made such an impression of him, molding him as a young man, that that served as the foundation for him to get his degree, go to law school, and become a lawyer. And uh, so it was shortly after he passed that I decided I was going to join the military, too. I was very curious about what kind of impression that had made right. on him. And uh, so I became a contractor for the Department of Defense, and I was so thrilled because I was opened up to a very different world and culture um, and using my skill sets that I hadn't uh, applied in such a way before. And I got into mobile health, which included virtual and augmented reality. Now, oh, wow. this is before the movie I was going to say, out. what year was this? This was, oh my gosh, this was, was 2000 and uh, seven, six, seven, eight, sometime around there, um, that I started training in the military. And um, I actually was an avatar, uh, still am in the training. They trained uh, through Second Life. And um, it was through that, we teleported, transported uh, to other parts of the world. And um, we could train and work with soldiers or service members uh, regardless of the branch and different parts of it. So many things are tested through the military first before it's opened up to the general public. Interesting. And um, I wanted to continue to do that, but to do it in patient, not just in training with clinical populations. So um, I uh, ended up getting opportunities to be deployed to different places. Mm -hmm. Um, is in U.S. Oconus is overseas. And continue my private practice and work, but do this very quietly to get training in certain skill sets and get familiar with the military culture. Long story short, I had an opportunity to uh, go to a military installation near where I'm from, originally my hometown. And, and uh, so I went, now I'm back full time in Dallas and um, doing work with veterans, which I had done before. I uh, left the area to work with active duty, and actually the veterans said, you need to go work with, with the youngsters, you know, go support them. We've been there, done that. You need to go help them. So I did, and uh, it was very, very rewarding to get a better and stronger clinician, mm -hmm. uh, understanding some things um, that the service members, men and women, go through to protect our country. So what are you working on now? Um, I'm still doing my sports consulting, uh, working with, I've been doing more work with coaches and I like that work. Still doing work with transitioning and I still now I work with younger athletes in addition to the pros, which I like. Uh, mostly high schoolers and um, college athletes but um, there are more resources now available with the pro level, but coaches um, still contact me because I've been around a long time. They know me, and um, 
So I work with them in their coaching, basically like a teacher learning teaching skills with this generation and understanding how to translate uh, work with um, the, the kids of today, right. the generation uh, is it these now or Y's or I forget which generation we're in, but um, just learning different methods for motivation, for teaching, learning, because at one point in time, everybody coming through the door seemed to have ADHD or some diagnosis mm-hmm. that they had a learning difference. Um, but uh, I do that part, and then with the uh, the military uh, transitioning, I um, am a treating clinician, so I treat the vet clinically for whatever disorders and diagnosis that are applicable, um, work with the families, and I still, uh, I'm a telehealth provider, which means I work with service members remotely through technology and um, help continue to heal and uh, support them as needed yeah and at the end of the day you're an entrepreneur too right you're running your own business <laughs> well I, I i yes i do but that's just the consulting part that i do but uh, that's always been a part of me uh, at this stage of my life, yeah, to be in full time by an entity that's very new for me. I'm a grandmother, <laughs> and um, <laughs> but I still have the flexibility that I've had as an entrepreneur. And uh, what I love is that I can be effective and do the things I love and still be, well, now a, a yaya, which is grandmother. Yes, that's so sweet. Is there anything else you want to add? Where can we find you on social media? Um, I'm on LinkedIn. I spend a lot of time, well, not a lot of time, but the things that I've written, the things that I think are important in sports and in the military, LinkedIn is where I put it, and that's connected to Twitter. Mm-hmm. Um, I do have a website, but I haven't been on it in ages. <laughs> but, um, but LinkedIn has, like, my TikTok. Uh, some of the media things that are there. So I would say LinkedIn, and it's under my LinkedIn. Um, but I just, I just been thrilled with what you're doing and your podcast. I'm so proud of you and for women coming out, coming into doing what they want to do, not being afraid to step beyond that comfort zone and grow and uh, the hidden figures you had, and whatever the industry is, uh, coming out of the shadows, I just, I'm thrilled by that. Awesome. I love that. Awesome. Yes, and I just encourage whoever is listening uh, to you, um, especially youth and uh, others who may not have a role model or a mentor to use the opportunities from some of these social media that talk about growth, mindfulness, being healthy, right. overcoming stigma, not um, letting barriers stop you from doing the things you know add value. So if it's not adding, right. Then you don't need to engage with them. Absolutely. So and you know, we, we get tied to so many things that we just think are necessary in life. And that's why I'm thrilled to have so many entrepreneurs on the show so that people can see that whatever they're passionate about, whatever their superpowers are, you can do that and have joy. 
And then sometimes when I'm on the phone with my friends, this happens. Now say hi. Hi, Johnny. Hi. I'm so thrilled to finally meet you. I've heard so much about you. I want to be a dancer. Oh, that's wonderful. That's She's great. already a good dancer. Oh, listen. The wonderful and she's good at math. Oh, listen, um, Mae Jemison was a dancer and the first black woman astronaut. I didn't know she was a dancer. Oh, you don't know her story? Oh, my. No, I need to look into it. That's awesome. Yes, she was trying to decide between going to school to uh, like the New York School of Dance or something or go to Stanford to study uh, aeronautics. And her mother said, you know, you can do both, but figure out how you're going to earn a living. And that way, go after how you're going to earn a living and find a way to do both. So now she has created uh, a summer camp for dancers to study STEM. So she's done both and she's doing oh, wow. behind her. Well, Dr. Brooks, it's been a pleasure having you on. Thank you so much for joining us. Well, and thank you for having me. And um, again, keep on doing what you're doing because you're just amazing. And I'm. Oh, bless you. Oh, yes, you are. Just sore, girl. Just sore. I am squarely in my purpose, so there's no holding back now. Oh, yeah. There you go. That's right. Bye. Thank you so much. And if there's ever anything I can do to support you, you just let me know. I sh listen, don't worry about it. I know. Okay. <laughs> awesome. What a wonderful conversation with Dr. Yolanda Bruce Brooks, sports and clinical psychologist with expertise in military. All right, coming up, June is very, very busy. June 6th and 7th in Atlanta, the LEAD 360 Combine. I'll be speaking twice, once in the Women's Brunch Executive Forum on the 6th, and I'll be hosting a keynote slash workshop on the 7th, communicating like a boss. June 12th and 13th, I'll be in San Francisco at the Opera America Opera Conference. And I'll be speaking on your on-air style. And then catch me in Charlotte, North Carolina, June 19th through the 22nd at the Black Enterprise FWD or Forward, which used to be the Entrepreneur Summit. And then finally, y'all, don't forget the Coaching Corner, which airs on the second Tuesday of every month. That will be June 14th. And guess who we got, y'all? Torre. You remember him? Torre used to be on MSNBC. He shows up there once in a while and on CNN too. He has his own show, The Torre Show, where he interviews everybody who's anybody. But he has a new podcast coming up, and it is The Writing Coach. Yes. So Torre is going to come on and talk about tips on writing. Find us online at The Culture Soup on Twitter and Instagram, on Facebook at The Culture Soup Podcast. And guess what? If you go to my Facebook page at L. Michelle Smith Official, I have a brand new Facebook group. It's called Hack My Corporate and Biz Goals, Coach. Yeah, 
join us. If you're trying to figure out your corporate workplace or start that new business, this is for you. And I invite other coaches along too who are trying to get their entrepreneurial stuff right with marketing and branding and anything else that you need to know about starting a business. Finally, you can find us at theculturesoup.com. See you next week. The Culture Soup Podcast is a production of No Silos Communications.